I think we picked one of the better weeks of all time to do the rebrand, but NFL Down Under is here, and we cannot wait for it. We might have seen one of the best games of all time. We might have seen one of the best catches of all time, and Philadelphia have fumbled their way out of a perfect season. Let's have a chat. As we welcome you to Orchard Park with two minutes left in a four-point game. Kirk Cousins back to throw on fourth and 18. He's given time. He wants Jefferson. Climbs the ladder. Oh, my goodness. Justin Jefferson pulled it in. The catch of his life. But we got to look back at this. I'm still not sure how he held on to it, Smithy, as I welcome you. Holy moly. Honestly, it's the greatest catch I've ever seen. I put this over Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch against Dallas back a few years ago as the greatest catch I have ever seen. It was truly unbelievable. It really was unbelievable, as the week was in its entirety, if we're being honest. But we've also got some news, Smithy, about the great man, the one to return. There is a date of return for the one and only People's TD. He will be back for our next show. So the week 11 preview uh, will be the return of the king. And, geez, I am both excited and really apprehensive for his return because after the layoff he's been on, his form could either be the greatest we've ever seen or just absolutely horrific and he brings down the quality of the show. So let's just see what happens. Just a, a week of him not listening to us this time in person, which we're looking forward to. And we've seen some photos of the US trip and geez, hasn't he been swanning around like the greatest show on turf, Smithy? Yeah, he's been wandering around the various states of the US like the king he is and just, you know, marking his territory as, as the people's prince and uh, the greatest to ever do it. So, uh, look, I'm looking forward to having my boy back. Yeah, it's going to be extraordinary. Let's keep ourselves accountable and uh, not a lot for you to be uh, overwhelmingly disappointed with, Smithy, until the end. But let's start with the tips as you took it out. Eight for 14 as Teed and I went... Seven for 14, you push two ahead of me, you're four off Teed, and you go one ahead of the uh, great man who wants a shout-out in Ryan Osborne, who's going beautifully at the moment, sitting in third. But a good week for you, mate. Yeah, and uh, Geordie Osborne as well, struggled this year, even though he was the uh, winner of last year's competence. So um, he needs to step up his game. He's a regular listen, shout-out Geordie. But... Yeah, picked up a few tips that not many had this week. Um, I was one of I was the only person to tip the Colts. Uh, I was one of the only people to tip the Titans as well. So, a few of those fifty-fifty games sort of went my way and uh, went as I predicted. So, yeah, it's always nice to win the tipping for the week. Absolutely, it was. And for the first time in NFL this year, the three oldest starting quarterbacks all won, with that being Brady, Rogers, and the great man Colt McCoy got over the line for the Cardinals. Extraordinary scenes, which I picked as well. So on you, Colt. What a man he is. Uh, let's go to the certs. Oh, speaking of making up some ground, Colin finally delivered the stinker we were expecting maybe even six weeks earlier, but he went one and four. Our man made him yeah, with a a three and two, but 
it, it's a significant three and two because, as you said, I, I pick up the the two full games. I'm only a game and a half behind now, starting to make up that ground that I lost earlier in the year. I have to give a big shout-out to the Colts, who easily covered a big shout-out to the Steelers. And a big shout-out to your Finns, Daz, who uh, not only covered the line, but absolutely obliterated it. So a few good results there. The Bears, that's going to be a game I'm looking forward to talking to because although they let me down, geez, it was fun to watch. And the Seahawks couldn't get it done overseas. But um, with the three similar, Colin, we both had the Bears. We both had the Seahawks. So those losses didn't hurt me as much as they would in any other week. Yeah, spot on. I agree with you. So you're now 23 and 24 with three pushes, mate. So you're hovering around that 50% mark going beautifully. Colin, 25, 23 and two. So like you said, I know the pushes makes things a bit complicated for those playing along at home. He said he's a game and a half behind and I've just got a feeling that one of those pushes might be the uh, the make or break of this competition. Let's go to the lock. Look, there's not many things that I'm ripping piss in, but the, the locks is my segment. Let's be honest at this point. Eight and two. Thank you to G-Town, the New York Giants, getting the job done over the Texans. I mean, look, you are betting against the Texans in this spot. So is it all that great of a pick? I'm still going with yes, because Smithy didn't pick it first. Smithy went with the Bears. I mean, how unlucky can you be in that scenario with a one-point loss? And uh, three quarters of the way through Teed's game, he picked his hometown Cowboys. Not only had he had the lock all wrapped up, he had pick one of next week sorted. He was probably thinking to himself, I've got to make pick one count. And then the last 20 minutes of that game happened, of game happened, Smithy, and he's back to pick three. And the funny thing is, he was talking to us before he left America, saying that the Packers won their last game one of the days before he left for America. The whole time he was in America, Green Bay were on a losing streak. And he said, I bet you as soon as I touch back down in Australia, the Green Bay curse will be lifted and they'll win. And pretty much, I reckon, when he touched down the Cowboys were still up 24-10. And then as soon as <laughs> as soon as those plane wheels touched Australian soil, Rogers went back to 2018 and absolutely dominated. So uh, very, very funny. There really are layers to a teed curse. This could be the greatest of them all, if I'm being honest. Extraordinary scenes. And for those out there with the roughies, I mean, what a week it was. Eight out of 14 roughies got up. Extraordinary extraordinary scenes plus 7.1 units. So if you're at the end, you're just chucking a tenner on every underdog, no matter what. Sure, you know you're going to lose some along the way, but you'd be picking up a pretty handy 75 bucks here in Australia, if I do say so myself, with the year now, Smitty, going to 16.42 overall. Do the bookies really know what they're talking about? I think that just shows the unpredictability of the NFL and it literally is any given Sunday. And although it was a Monday night game, we, we saw that today with the Eagles losing their first game of the year against um, the, the Washington commanders. So it really is any given Sunday, any team can win on their day. And it it's, it's why we love this sport, mate. And to be honest, I think the bookies would be quietly loving that. A lot of underdogs are getting up now that I actually think about it well and truly. But let's get into these game reviews. And, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with against the Vikings and the Bills, mate, because it's going to be very rare that you're going to be able to put a game like this in just terms. 
It was one of the greatest games I've ever watched, to be completely honest. It was action-packed. There was drama. There was lead changes. There was twists, turns, individual brilliance, team and individual meltdowns. It was just unbelievable. I, It was absolutely worth getting up. And sometimes, you know, on those cold Monday mornings when you'll the alarm blasts at 5am and you roll out of bed and you think, is this really worth doing every week? These are the games that you out of bed. Um, it was unbelievable. So obviously throughout the week, there was all the speculation with Josh Allen, Willie, Woney. He ended up playing. He looked pretty good for the most part. Uh, 29 of 43 for 330 yards. He also had 84 rushing yards. So um, he absolutely filled it up, but he threw... He threw a bad interception in overtime. The interception late in the game, it was fourth down. There's no point throwing the ball away. So I can understand taking a shot to the end zone. It didn't work, but um, those two interceptions didn't look good. But really, we have to go to the fourth quarter because going into the fourth quarter, it was Buffalo 27, Minnesota 17. And you sort of thought, gee, 10 points down, the Vikings on the road. Josh Allen has been balling so far to that point, and they just made plays. Delvin Cook went on a 71-yard touchdown run uh, that sort of got them back into the game. And then it happened, the Justin Jefferson catch. It's it's the best catch I've ever seen. really is. Um, Fourth and 18, game on the line. Kirk Cousins drops back. And for Justin Jefferson to go up and make that catch, it's one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen on a sporting field. Vikings drive the field. They need a touchdown to go into the lead. They're four points down because Greg Joseph missed an extra point earlier in the quarter. They're four points down. They get to fourth down. Kirk Cousins goes goes for the QB uh, QB sneak and gets stood up after a view. No touchdown. Everyone thinks the game is over. All the Buffalo Bills need to do is get out of their own end zone. And what do they do? Fumble the bloody snap. Josh Allen drops the snap into the end zone. Eric Hendricks recovers. Defensive touchdown. Vikings. I was watching Red Zone, and Scott Hansen was going through the next gen win probability. When the Vikings were down 17 in the third quarter, their win percentage was three. When they scored the defensive touchdown, their win percentage was 97. The game went into overtime. Just ridiculous. Literally ridiculous. So uh, obviously the Bills drive and get into field goal range. Controversially, they caught on the line that should have been reviewed and should have been overturned to not catch. He actually fumbled it over the sideline, but the refs didn't challenge it. They kicked the field goal. The Vikings drive the field, kick the field goal in overtime, and then Josh Allen throws his bad interception to Patrick Peterson. And it was just, I've probably missed 10 or so worthy highlights, but this game was so action-packed that, that's about as good a rap as I give. There were individual stars everywhere. Justin Jefferson, probably his best game of his career, his legacy game so far, 10 catches for 193 yards and a touchdown. But he had so many big catches. I think he had seven of those 10 catches on third or fourth down. 
Delvin Cook had 14 carries for 119 yards. You know, Stefan Diggs, 12 catches for 128 yards. Gabe Davis had six for 93 and a touchdown. Patrick Peterson had two interceptions. That was just big performances all over the place. I watched this game 50 times and not get bored. It was box office status. I think you've described it beautifully with box office. You just you couldn't take your eyes off it. Even if you're a condensed watcher, I know with Game Pass you can watch the game in 40 or even if you just somehow missed it, just the, the YouTube 15-minute highlight package just cannot do this game justice at all. It was extraordinary. And the Vikings, I mean, they've kind of the NFL media, and I know this frustrates you as well, mate, is they're kind of just giving a lot of shit to Josh Allen. Like, this was just a great win for the Vikings. Let's respect that first before we move on to everything else. But, I mean, 9-1, and one, um, I'm loving the Kurt Thuggins memes that are now going around. It's great. <laughs> I love it so much because he just seems like a good dude. And, you know, unless you're a Bills fan, Unless you're a Bills fan. So Bills fans, if there are any listening, I know this isn't going to apply to you, but to everyone else, how can you have any complaints about this? As a, as an entertainment product, this was perfection. Just embrace it. Enjoy it. I've got nothing else to say. I'm going to move the mic. That being, would have been the game of the week. Any other week, I would argue. How good was the Packers and the Cowboys? Well, for the first quarter and a half, it was honestly a bit dog shit. Dak couldn't throw the ball at all. Um, Aaron Rodgers still wasn't performing up to standard. They both go in 14 all at halftime after things were, you know, a bit to and fro. And then the third quarter was just cowboy time. It was just going absolutely nuts for them. They got the 14-0 break. They're up 14 three-quarter time. They had been in front by 14 or more points in their history, Smithy, 195 times and had gone 195-0. and 0. If that's not just to put your glasses down, this game's over. Enjoy the win. I don't know what is. Christian Watson just went to town in the last quarter. Aaron Rodgers got them to overtime. And I think Cowboys fans, are they overrating the fourth down call? I'm not sure. I think what needs to be talked about is if you know you're going for it on fourth down and you're third and three and your running back has over 100 yards, why didn't they run the football? I need to know. Mike McCarthy, why didn't you run the ball with Tony Pollard? Even if he didn't get there, okay, you're on fourth and two, fourth and one. You're obviously going to throw at that point. But give it a shot. Yeah. They're in struggle. But Aaron Jones, 138 yards and a touchdown. Christian Watson, I mean, for four catches, which would seem, you know, unimpressive, three touchdowns, 160. Yards, his first rookie since 1978 to get a triple, to get a hat trick if you want to use the EPL term or the soccer term. Extraordinary. What a game. Plenty of Cowboys stood up as well. Their defense wasn't as great. I didn't think Dak was that great in this game, but CeeDee Lamb, 150 for two touchdowns, was extraordinary. Tony Pollard proved that he's the best running back on the roster. This was a fantastic win for Green Bay, whose season maybe has another breath in it, Smithy. Yeah, well, there's so many teams in the NFC that are underperforming, um, you know, so the wild card spots are going to go to pretty bad teams when you look at the whole uh, NFC because, you know, the NFC South is garbage. The rest of the NFC North, not named Minnesota, is garbage. 
Um, the Cowboys will probably get a, a wild card spot and the Eagles will obviously make the playoffs. And it's really up to probably the Giants, the Packers, and maybe the Seahawks for that last wild card spot. So, um, yeah, they're definitely still alive. It was good to see the breakout for Christian Watson because you, you just wanted one of these rookie wide receivers to step up and and give Aaron Rodgers something, and and that's what Christian Watson did in this game. I totally agree with your opinion on the third down play call. If you have got it in your mind that no matter what happens, you are going to go for it on fourth down, run the ball. Mm. Run the ball. What's the worst that can happen? You get stood up for zero yards. Okay, it's the same as an incomplete pass. At least give Tony Pollard a chance to pick it up with his legs. Yeah, I totally agree. Great call. Thanks, mate. So just to put it in context right now, so Green Bay 4 and 6, there is no other division in which they would be second. They're currently second in the NFC North. So I'm just scrolling through here. Unless I can find one here, no, the Colts 4, 5, and 1 are still so Yeah. They'd have the same record as the Falcons in the NFC South. but They do. Yeah, it's the same record, so... And even the Commanders right now have a better record with their win over Philly. So it does have a breath in it, the Packers, but I, I wouldn't be holding it on them getting a spot. But a fantastic game. And back over to you, mate, for the game that cost you your lock. Another very good game. It was a great week of NFL. Um, let's be totally honest. So uh, my Panthers, which, by the way, seems like an absolute eternity ago, where we beat the Falcons on Thursday night football. So... My usual routine on a Monday morning is I wake up and I put NFL Red Zone on my TV, Chromecast it to my TV so I can stay across all the games in the early morning slate. And then I'll watch my Panthers on my laptop and take uh, an invested interest in that game. Uh, But obviously no Panthers on Monday morning. So I put the Bears game on my laptop, watched that play-by-play and kept up with the rest of the games on my own. And... It was an unbelievable game to watch. Uh, they were going back and forth. Chicago got out to a 24-10 lead at three-quarter time. And with the Vi- with the Lions not winning a road game for two years and the offense was starting to splutter in the third quarter and the Bears were making plays, you just thought this game was over. But as good as Justin Fields was, unfortunately, it was a Justin Fields error that got the Lions back into the game after they the Lions scored an, a touchdown. Um, they took it to 24-17, and Justin Fields throws a pick six, 24-24. And that error really hurt. He did totally redeem himself by going on a 64-yard touchdown run. Justin Fields scrambling ability and elusiveness the last few weeks has just been an absolute thing of beauty. Um, He's been unbelievable. Have a listen to these stats. 12 of 20 for 167 yards and two touchdowns throwing the ball. He did have that pick six, which puts a little bit of a a black mark on his day, but 13 carries for 147 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Believable numbers. He made so many highlight plays um, the first rushing touchdown was nearly as impressive as the second, even though it was only a short rushing touchdown. But he dropped back to pass, escaped two sacks, and then trucked someone to get into the end zone. For a quarterback to be doing that is unbelievable. 
But the Lions, they deserve a hell of a lot of credit. As I said, it hadn't won a road game since week 13, 2020. And to get down 24-10 with one quarter to go and then pile on 21 points in the last quarter to come away with a one-point victory. They made the big stop at the end of the game, sacking Justin Fields. Amon Ra St. Brown had a big one. Aiden Hutchinson had a sack and a, ta- a huge tackle for loss uh, right near the goal line of the Bears. And Jeff Okuda had the pick six, who was a much maligned rookie from the same rookie class as Justin Fields in 2020, who uh, is just starting to show us his best work. So... Uh, as disappointing as it was to get the lock wrong, this game was unbelievably fun to watch. And even though it feels like the Bears have been playing really good football, they now sit last in the division behind Detroit. So, um, yeah, interesting for them that it's painfully, painfully obvious that they need a very good offseason this year because the defense was really poor. Their offensive line played badly. They still lack receivers on the outside. They need upgrades at nearly every position. So um, it's going to be a really important offseason for Ryan Poles and and the Chicago front office. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So just the more records that Justin Fields decides to smash. So he now has the two consecutive game record for most rushing yards by a quarterback, so 325 yards. He has rushed two weeks. That is an any stretch by any quarterback since we're recorded. He also has the three-game stretch, 385, which is, I think, three more than Michael Vick had in a period there as well. So Justin Fields is just taking the piss when he's running the ball, and I thought the Lions were ultra impressive in this one to get home. They were 2-18 and 18 and 4-21 and 21 in their last 25 road games, so a good win for them on the road. Now let's move on to a game that kind of had one of the more predictable results. Now, I don't mean that with any malice towards the Los Angeles Chargers, but we came in, Smithy, to the Niners-Chargers game. And we thought to ourselves, we think the Niners will get over the line. We don't think it's going to be a blowout. You know, they would have been a good lock, the Niners, if they were within range. But I think they were seven and a half uh, when we were having a look at them. And the result kind of turned out how we thought. 22-16, Jimmy G did enough, didn't throw for a touchdown, but still got 240 yards. Their running backs did their job. McCaffrey didn't have a big influence. He got a lot of touches, but he did get the touchdown in the end, which did decide the game, you could say. Uh, Debo was pretty quiet in his return, but he didn't have to do all that much throughout, which was fantastic. And the Niners away from this one, overall, I'm happy with where they're at and what they're doing. Their defense was fantastic. They had five players collect four or more uh, tackles, which was fantastic. And they had eight defenders get an assist throughout. So they'll happily tick that off from the defensive part of the ball. And for Justin Herbert, the 21 completion, only 196 yards. He just does not right now getting yard to the catch which is a big problem they had no running game in this one austin eckler's 24 was the lowest that he's that he'd had when he took the first snap of an nfl game since his rookie year which is extraordinary herbert himself 22 rushing yards and they didn't get anything really out of isaiah spiller and sony michelle catching the ball deandre carter and josh palmer looked the most dangerous which again isn't really what they're looking for considering keenan allen and mike williams are out Eckler got the most catches, but 
you can't do it all on your own. I understand that with Justin Herbert, and I do feel for him in a way because he is leading interceptions when the ball hits his receiver's hands first. You know, that's kind of stiff to go down the quarterback route. Although, like we've said, Smithy, sometimes you just, as the great man Teed would say, you've just got to be in front when the game is over, and it's something that the Chargers and Herbert aren't doing a lot of in the moment. I think Chargers fans shouldn't underrate the power of this loss because for the majority of the game, they were in this. Yeah, and every week that the Chiefs keep winning and the Chargers lose is is just slipping further away from contending for that division, which we all thought they seriously would do. So it is disappointing. Um, I thought it would be a long shot for just for a lot of the game. They look like they were in position to win. I thought Herbert, despite not putting up massive stats, looked fantastic and made some really, really good passes. I look at the, Pass to DeAndre Carter in the second quarter that got them down to first and goal at the two. It was a generational throw. Not many people can make that throw. He's rolling left, throwing a crossbody to the right side of the field and lobbing it over a defender's head. It was just a thing of beauty. So they've got all the pieces. It looks like Keenan Allen barring setbacks, which look, there's been a lot of them for Keenan Allen this year. So don't hold your breath. But Barring setbacks, it looks like he could be back next week, which would be a welcome inclusion. But yeah, it's it's a tale of injury at the moment, and it's really unlucky for the Chargers. But it just is what it is. They're they're the most injury hit team, but they need to find a way to win enough games to make the playoffs, and then go from there. Yeah, I agree with you. If they're if they're in there, I think they can do some damage. The problem is that barrier of getting into the playoffs seems to be what's stopping them and in a stacked AFC that is looking all the more unlike at five and four yeah they're not going too badly it's not you know Denver you could be Vegas Jesus we'll talk about them right now because they went up against the Colts and Jeff Saturday's tweet aged magnificently in his first win as an NFL head coach how's that from a for a segue by you that's uh that's hosting 101 by Daz. But yeah, shout out to Jeff Saturday winning his first game as a coach. And I saw a clip on Colts Twitter. I think it was uh, Jeff Saturday in the locker room after the game. And I don't care that he doesn't have coaching experience. He just seems like the kind of dude you'd want to play for because everything he was saying, you want to run through a brick wall for him. So shout out to him. He sprung the surprise of Matt Ryan starting when. In his introductory press conference, he said that Sam Ellinger was their guy going forward, and all of a sudden, Matt Ryan takes the first snap. So that was a shock to the system. I would have plugged him into my fantasy team if I could because he had a good day, mind you. But uh, he was really good, and I think the Colts definitely do look better with Matt Ryan under center in an offense that's centered around the run, and that's what this was. They... Uh, they ran the ball 30 times. Jo- uh, Jonathan Taylor had 22 of them for 147 yards and a touchdown. He was back to his absolute best. And this is what the Colts need. They need Matt Ryan to be able to lean on the run game, work off play action where he's been very good for his whole career and get the wide receivers like Paris Campbell, who had seven catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. And Michael Pittman, who had seven catches for 53 yards, get them involved that way. Uh, I thought their defense was really good at stopping the run. We know what the Raiders want to do. They want to get Josh Jacobs involved. 
and they held him to four yards of carry on the nose, which is pretty good effort, to be honest, with a touchdown in there. But um, Devontae Adams went off. Derek Carr had a pretty good game. When you look at the box score for the Raiders, there's nothing that stands out and says that they lost this game in a way. Like their run game was okay. Um, Their passing game really well for quite a few weeks, but they just couldn't get over the line. And it must be frustrating. I did call that the Colts would win this game and Josh McDaniels wouldn't have a job by the time we did this show. Uh, As we record, he is still employed and Mark Davis actually came out on the record and said that there is no plans on firing Josh McDaniels and they're going to roll with him. He's the guy that they want, but as the losses pile up, man, for Ray, for Vegas, sorry, it just becomes harder and harder to see, you know, what they're going to do in the future. They've got a huge divisional game next week against the Broncos in Denver. Both of those teams are seriously struggling at the moment, but with Denver at home, I'm probably leaning their way at this stage. And then it it's just... The, when does it stop for Vegas? When does the losing stop? It, it's hard to tell. They've got the Seahawks the week after that on the road as well. Yeah, this could be a three, four win team. And can you really roll into a new season with a three, with a three or four win team with the same quarterback and same head coach? I'm really not sure. So they need to find a way to turn it around immediately, the Raiders. Otherwise, it's going to be an off-season full of changes. And for the Colts, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think they can still win the division. If Jeff Saturday can build around this identity of running the ball and working off play action and letting your defense stand up, they can still win the division because I don't trust Tennessee still. Um, Although they won on the weekend, they were nowhere near convincing. And... You know, if if the Colts can get it going, they can make a run at it. So I don't know. It's tough, but they were good. I, I liked the performance. the The funny thing for me with the Colts is the sugar hit might be too late. So the sugar hit might expire around week 14 and they could peter out. That's very real. But also you couldn't make the move at week 14 to get the four week hit because they wouldn't have been a chance anyway. So it was kind of like uh, apples and oranges there. And it's not often that we bring um, high intelligent outside sources to the table here, my friend, but I've only got one thing in my notes for this game and it's uh, HBR and that stands for the Harvard business review. I just want to read you two quotes And I I want them to apply to the Raiders beautifully. So just humor me here. These are genuinely real. So the Harvard Business Review and the the title of this article is The Makings of a HR Department. Now, this is part of my day job. Uh, Part of my day job is writing uh, business articles on these things. And I found this and it works beautifully. So the first thing is the makings of a good organization, regardless of what they specialize in, is not only understanding what they may not be strong at, but fixing these problems as quietly, discreetly, and with as much quality as they can. Now, that's, that's. I'm just saying, if, if you're laughing because you think that doesn't apply to the Raiders, that could be the problem. But I digress, my friend, because quote number two is a doozy. The only thing that can be worse than a team that doesn't know how to hire is a team that recognizes toxicity and cannot fire. 
<laughs> Hello, Las Vegas. What are you doing? This man cannot coach. It's as simple as that. And um, yeah, uh, maybe the Vegas Centrelink line is just too long and they don't want him standing in it for some reason. I don't know. But if I was Josh, I would be looking at coordinator positions at some college teams next year because this could just drive you out of business, my friend. This is a disaster. Yeah, it's been nothing short of a train wreck, that's for sure. And like I said, with two games that I project them to lose in the next two weeks, and I didn't dig into the rest of the schedule, but um, I'll do that in my own time. But if they win three or four games, what does Derek Carr's 2023 look like? What does Josh McDaniel's 2023 look like? There's so many questions. Yeah, there really is. Okay, let's move on to the Bucks and the Seahawks. Now, you could have learned plenty of things in this game, Smithy. You could have learned that if the Seahawks don't really have a run game, they can't really win games, even if Gino, if you just looked at the box score, wasn't terrible at all. Uh, you could have learned that the German atmosphere looked amazing. Now, granted, it was only on a screen for us because we couldn't be further from Germany if we tried, but it looked fantastic. But I only had one takeaway from this game, Smithy, and I, I would love your input um if you are going to have a midlife crisis to anyone out there you could buy a sports car you could date someone half your age and have some fun i wouldn't really recommend trying to be a wide receiver if i could just get this to tom brady right now that's probably not your go you're already the goat of one position highly unlikely at 45 or 46 or 73 whatever you are that you're going to be able to accomplish it in two different ones leonard fournette now has a no touchdown and one interception performance to his name, or as we like to call it on this show, the Mac Jones performance. I don't really get how the Bucks mucked this up, but they still won the game. They deserve a lot of credit. The receivers were good, apart from the lumbering, it's got to be said, Tom Brady. Their running game looked pretty good. Rashad White got involved with over 100 rushing yards. Leonard Fournette, who still doesn't look fit enough, did get into the end zone for a touchdown and... 57. Tom Brady hasn't lost an international game yet, so 3-0. and Good on him. He's been in the UK twice and now Munich. And I think the international expansion is a good thing, Smithy, and this result didn't surprise me all that much. I know we both tipped the Seahawks, but on reflection, this was the Bucks we probably expected come week one. Yeah, it's, it's the Bucks that I think we've been expecting to come out of hiding. Um, and the good Bucks teams, the Super Bowl and the playoff Bucks teams of the last two years have built their game around stopping the run. They've had historically good run defenses. We haven't seen that at all this year, but with Ken Walker, they shut him down. He had 10 carries for 17 yards. And we've seen how good Ken Walker's been this year. Um, he just couldn't get anything going in this one. And that that takes us back to the Bucks that were dominant in the NFC South, dominant in the NFC. And that was that was the identity of this team being an unbelievably good run defense that put offenses in uncomfortable situations. You're totally right about the play call. It's the worst play call of the year. Why would you do it? And not only are you throwing at a cornerback. You're throwing at a 6'4 cornerback who runs a 4-2-6 and has five interceptions on the season. Why? Like what was what was the best case scenario 
I argue the best case scenario would be Tariq Woolen drops the interception. That's the worst case scenario. Oh, the best case, sorry. That was that would be the best case for the Bucks is he drops the interception. So it's puzzling, but Leonard Fournette needs to be benched for Rashad White. And I think it's pretty clear because as soon as Rashad White got in the game after Lenny left with an injury, that offense looked a lot better. And um, I think you can have Fournette as your power back on those uh, short yardage situations, but the bulk of the workload needs to go to the rookie now because um, the offense looked chalk and cheese when those two guys were, um, you know, sharing workloads. So I think coming, they have the buy this week, the bucks as they come off the buy going into week 12, I think Rashad white needs to command majority of the snaps in the backfield. I'm not worried about the Seahawks. I think this is a loss that they will probably do for. Um, and I still think they're going to be a really fun team down the stretch that will be fighting for a wild card spot. And they've got the buy as well as do the Dolphins and the Jags. So Florida enjoying themselves beautifully this weekend. Things are going to kick off. Good thing Teed left. Oh, my goodness. We mightn't have seen him again. Uh, and Smithy finishes the in-depth review with the Eagles and the Commanders. And as much as, again, Smithy, we all want to talk about the losers sometimes, especially an undefeated team. This was a huge win for the Washington Commanders, and they played very nice football. Yeah, how good by the commies. Absolutely huge win for them. Um, didn't get to watch a lot of this game, so the analysis of the football won't be so in-depth um, coming off work. But I did get to watch about 10 minutes of the second quarter in my lunch break. Washington had the ball the whole time. Their game plan coming into this game was obviously eat as much clock as we can keep that dynamic Eagles offense off the field. And they did it beautifully. I think in the first half, the the time of possession was 24 to Washington, six to Philadelphia. That's absolutely unheard of having four times the amount of offensive snaps as the Eagles, just crazy stuff. And it takes a good running game. Brian Robinson was lent on. Antonio Gibson came in as a change of pace. They used Curtis Samuel in the run game. They want to use him like Debo Samuel, which I like because he has that skill set. Had it at Ohio State. Did it really well when he was in Carolina. So why not use it? And Taylor Heineke made big throws when he had to. The deep ball to Terry McLaurin was chef's kiss. One of the nicest throws you are ever likely to see. So go back and watch that if you have. But the thing that hurt the Eagles, turnovers. Had four turnovers in this game. Jalen Hurts threw an interception, unlucky interception. Um, it went straight through A.J. Brown's hands into the arms of the defensive back. But then after that, they lost three fumbles. One of those was on the last play of the game, which was a desperation play to try and win the game. And they fumbled it back into Washington's end zone. So, you know, that happens. But they lost two key fumbles in between them. A lot of the stuff I've seen online about this game has been complaining about the officiating. Um, there was a clear missed face mask on Washington um, who pulled at the face mask of a Philadelphia tight end. I think it was Dallas got it. And that was missed. Should have been 15 yards um, on top of the play. So that's unlucky. And the controversial one, 
the late hit on Taylor Heineke towards the end of the game. Third down, he was scrambling around trying to find a receiver. And instead of throwing it away and stopping the clock, he gave himself up and took a knee. The Philadelphia defenders who were chasing him tackled him after he took the knee and the unnecessary roughness flags came out and the commanders got a first down out of it. So I didn't like the penalty on replay. Um, Do I think it cost Philadelphia the game? No, obviously the fumbles were the major part, but some poor officiating in this one. We thought Philadelphia could go through and have the the Cinderella season. Uh, It wasn't to be. They're not going to be disappointed in this. It's a division loss. They happen a lot. And I think it just brings them back down to earth and and resets them to have a massive launch at the second half of the season to ensure they get that one seed in the NFC. Yeah, uh, the face mask for mine, I mean, pretty controversial considering that led to the fumble. So it got a lot of fans sort of up. I agree with you. You don't like seeing the penalty, but you know, I, I came off watching um, Boston and uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. So if you want to complain about officiating, my my God. I don't know if you've seen that tech on Jason Tatum, Smithy, but it could be the worst thing ever in sport. And yeah. it's just a shout out to the Saints fans that hate me right now for saying that because they've probably got the number one seed sewn up there. However, uh, I think the Eagles are going to look at this and go, hang on. It took three fumbles and some poor officiating for someone to beat us. Yeah, I don't think we're going to spend too much time not sleeping about this. I think they're going to be absolutely fine. They were rusty and they were still in the game with three minutes left. Like, what more can you ask? Like, you know, they're, they're... They're going beautifully. So Philly fans, I mean, enjoy the fact that, you know, some people think that um, it's fantastic that you lost. Unless you're the Vikings, everyone else has lost more than you. So don't stress. All righty, let's get into the quick fire. And I've got some questions with a couple of these games too, Smithy, but we'll start with the Panthers and the Falcons. And uh, it seems like an age ago, but um, we could have just seen the death of Marcus Mariota's sanity, to be honest, as we saw it evaporate in front of our very eyes. What was he doing? No. It was one of the more biz- <laughs> it was one of the more bizarre quarterback games I've ever watched in my life. Some some of the decisions he made were unbelievably puzzling. But a uh, good win by my Panthers. It's quite obvious that we're still a bad team. Um, PJ Walker should have thrown about five interceptions. They were all dropped by Atlanta players. So shout out to them, I guess. But um, yeah, Deontay Foreman proved himself again. He's had three 100 plus, 115 plus yard rushing games out of the last four. So he's been really good. PJ Walker out this week against Baltimore. So Baker Mayfield will get the start. We'll talk about that a little bit more on Thursday, but geez, that's going to be interesting. Isn't it? A good win by the Panthers. Let's go to the Titans and the Broncos. And Smithy, the battle of mediocrity was won by Ryan Tannehill, if that wants to let you know how bad Denver are going at the moment. Man, and it was mediocrity. The the <laughs> this game started with ten straight punts. Ten. Yep. Yep. Ten straight punts to start the game. I don't remember seeing less of a game on NFL red zone than I saw of this game because there was no highlights. There was literally no highlights. It seemed like the only time they crossed was to remind us that they were punting again. So (laughs) uh, yeah, crazy thing. 
about Denver is I think if they had scored 18 points in every game, they'd be top of the AFC. Yeah, eight and one. Yep. Yeah, just 18 points. Yeah. That's all they've needed to score, and they can't even do it. It's it's unbelievable at this point. Uh, the only consolation I can give to, and look, he's not really um, missing the money because if you can buy an NFL team, you're not doing poorly, but the Denver investment might be the third worst investment of the year, comfortably behind Jeff Bezos thinking that this Thursday night schedule was a good thing on because it's gone to shit and of course elon musk and twitter so you know it's only third he'll be all right mate but yeah quarter of a billion dollars to run a lot of times at the start of a game excellent the great business decisions going on there uh let's go to chiefs jags was this the most predictable result of the year almost it kind of just went perfectly to script if you're an astute watcher of the game i think it hit the line by 0.5 so yeah. Pretty much the bookies expected it to happen. The fans expected it to happen and it happened. That's how every game should go for us who are tipping them. But um, <laughs> I, I didn't, I don't think the Jags will lose too many admirers after this game. I thought Trevor Lawrence was really good. The five play 61 yard touchdown drive before halftime. They did it in 38 seconds with no timeouts. I thought that was very, very good um, by Trevor Lawrence and, and the Jags offense. Christian Kirk had a big game and performed like the wide receiver one they paid for in the off season. So there are signs there. Um, they're not the finished product at all, but Kansas city are the best team in the AFC. And I don't think going to Arrowhead and losing by 10 is going to put them down too badly. No, I don't think so. I think if we do, it might be an episode to do uh, in the offseason, maybe an all-underrated team overall. I think Christian Kirk can happily put his conversation, his name into the conversation for wide receiver. I think he's been really good. And he had the – it's almost like he's got the, the paycheck that brought the pressure and no one said that it's a bust at all, whereas he had the most bust-worthy contract, you could say, for wide receivers. That's a win as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. The the hmm. less publicity, the better for him, I think. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Dolphins-Browns. Yes, Smithy, this is a Dolphins fan asking you. Asking. I'm not saying. I'm asking. Is Tua number two in the MVP race right now? And if not, where is he? It's a good question. I hadn't considered my MVP race. I know who's won, but Tua would be in my top five. Off yeah, the top of my I head. Mean, I mean, if he's not, you I don't, don't know football. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know where he is exactly, but he's definitely top five. Probably top three. But I haven't got the, the five in my head. But um, Mahomes is one, and then uh, there's correct. a few quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> that's just the correct slith- answer, and I'm a Dolphins fan. Like, that's, yeah. that's the answer. There's, there's a few slithering in behind him, but... Man, he was good. He was so good. And this Dolphins offense is so good. It is unbelievable how good it is. Um, the throw he made to Trent Sherfield in the back of the end zone, oh. in my opinion, 
it's the prettiest throw of the year so far. And we've seen a lot of good ones. We've seen a lot of good ones. But purely just visually and aesthetically, the arc that he dropped that ball in to have it hit the back pylon of the end zone. Oh man, it was it was unbelievable. It's it's a throw that I could watch over and over. And to be honest, I'll, I will talk about the Browns in just a tick. But the Trent Sherfield man, he he has come up in big spots at, at the moment. He's he has this is this is one of the stats of the year. I reckon he has the best third down ten plus yard completion amongst all Dolphins wide receivers. Now, granted, he doesn't have the volume. But the percentage of catches that he's had on third down compared to 10-plus completion, he's number one. He's – I mean, look, he's not getting double-teamed. I understand that. But when your wide receiver three is getting you third down completions and some, I mean, how do you not love it as an offense? Jeff Wilson, buy me a jersey. <laughs> I'm going to buy a jersey. I'll buy it. That was all you, mate. As soon as that trade went through, you went – everyone will froth over Chubb, and rightly so, and he was fantastic. But this guy is going to go to another level. I mean, given how good Raheem was in the four weeks beforehand, he's now the running back too. Wilson had over 100 yards. He looks damaging every time. His yards after contact was fantastic. I love this team. I'm sorry, but I'm pumped. This is so good. Number two in the AFC, number one in the AFC East. That's not going to last when the Jets, I think they got a pretty easy game next week. They'll go ahead of us on the tie break. But man, if you're a Dolphins fan and you have got something to complain about, Go and support someone else. This is extraordinary. Yeah, they're so good to watch. And Trent Sherfield, everything they thought Cedric Wilson was going to be and more. So um, they got Cedric Wilson across in free agency. We haven't seen anything from him. Mm. So, um, but they've got it in Sherfield. And yeah, Jeff Wilson, one of the most underrated pure runners in the NFL. He's just unbelievably productive with what he gets and and we're seeing this in this run um run friendly system with mike mcdaniel what we did learn about cedric wilson is that he's also not a quarterback just just the panic that he had in that scramble was uh fun you could see his eyes bulging from inside his helmet which i thought was quite amusing the browns the browns did what they did jacoby Brissett's first half was insane uh, the Dolphins, again, can't stop mobile quarterbacks. He went for a run on three third downs, got all of them. So that's something that we're going to have to fix, especially coming up against Allen Mahomes, who can get it done, as we know. Lamar, who we're probably going to face in the playoffs at some point. You'd think first or second up, depending on how it goes. So the Finns, they've got to be able to stop that. Apart from that, they're going beautifully. And the Browns, Nick Chubb is a beast. He, he just is. It's extraordinary, but we'll move on because I can talk about this forever. The Giants and the Texans, the G-Men, Smithy, growing wings, mate. This wasn't a fluke. They hit their bye, and then they went to the Texans. We're a bit better than you. We're about to prove it. Brian Dable, I mean, he can just about have coach of the year, I reckon. Yeah, they weren't overly convincing, um, the Giants in this one. The Texans hung around to the very end, but like I said, they just did what they had to do. They made plays when they had to. Um, Davis Mills, uh, he's, he's on the thinnest of thin ice. I, I, I find it very, very unlikely that they don't take a quarterback if they get pick one. It, I'd, I'd nearly say 99% sure that they're going to take a quarterback and it would take an unbelievable eight weeks from Davis Mills to, to shore up this quarterback position. But 
yeah, the Giants did what they had to do. The Texans, yeah, they're okay, but they're, they're going to be looking to the future. Well, to be fair, the Davis Mills put up an insane last three weeks last year that convinced him to take him into this year. So he could be just the end-of-year specialist, which could get him going, which would be extraordinary. Uh, Steelers, Saints, I didn't really take a whole lot out of this game, mate. It kind of went the way that we thought it. The Saints season is just a, a genuine shit show at this point. And the good on the Steelers. Got the win at home. Kenny Pickett was, he was okay. But I didn't really get a whole lot out of this game. What about you? Yeah, the Steelers, this game went exactly how I expected it to. And the Steelers grounded out and won a defensive-minded game. Classic Steelers. Uh, the Saints, one of, another team that are going to try and be in on a quarterback. So can't wait to start getting some mock drafts ready. Might sneak one into some uh, episodes towards the end of the season. But uh, yeah, I'm already looking into this draft. Super keen. Oh, beautiful. I like it. And we finish with the Rams and the Cardinals. And I have to give a bit of a shout out here. Now, the person that's posted this, I don't think is the person in the photo, but I don't know who is in the photo. So I'll just shout out the Redditor. So this is Benji A. Who apparently bought tickets for Smithy during COVID time. And this is the quarterback matchup that they got. And they're Rams fans and they lost. Poor bastards. That's all I could say. Yeah, that is tough. And uh, it's so unlucky. They, for, um, for Veterans Week over in America, they, they bought a representative from the U.S. Army onto NFL Red Zone. Her favorite player was Matthew Stafford. They gave her tickets to go to SoFi and watch the game. And then about 20 minutes later, it was confirmed that Matthew Stafford was out. So, uh, yeah, fans weren't treated to a good one. But, gee, the Rams, now that Cooper Cup's injured, this could be an absolute free fall. Well, it looks like it already is, to be honest. And, yeah, this could just get yeah. worse and worse and worse. So that's the games done and dusted. Um under pressure in week 10, I might save that actually for the preview because we'll get Tate involved in that. That'll be fun as well because he might be under pressure coming into the preview, mate, because there's a standard that's set around here and we're not going to put up with any holiday rust. Yeah, exactly right, mate. He's going to be on the ball. He is. All right, let's get to the non-QB MVP. Would you believe it? We've got a new leader, but we'll touch on that in a second. Take it away, my friend. Yeah, so it's the week of the wide receiver this week. So with one vote, C.D. Lamb from the Cowboys had 11 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Absolutely huge. From the same game, two votes, Christian Watson, Green Bay Packers, four receptions for 107 yards and three touchdowns had his rookie breakout. Shout out to him. But you know who's got the three votes, Justin Jefferson. 10 catches, 193 yards, a touchdown, and what I'm calling the greatest catch of all time. Bang. Beautiful. I like it. And the scoreboard reads thusly, Justin Jefferson, six votes. He's out on his own. Week one and week 10, getting the job done. Tyreek Hill and Josh Jacobs on four apiece. Jalen Petrie, TJ Hawkinson, Travis Kelsey, Jamar Chase, Christian McCaffrey, and Joe Mixon all there on three. A smattering of others have got two and one. But Smithy, the last episode of the year, probably, with just the two of us, mate. It's been a fun ride while Teed's been away, but the gang is getting back together. 
as much as the company has ripped the piss out of the last five weeks, I am looking forward to getting Teed back on the show and, and seeing what he can offer us. He's got plenty to answer for uh, while he's been away, including some very uh, poor tipping, some very poor locking and some terrible TDs and TDs, TDs. But thank you for listening to the first official episode of NFL Down Under. Make sure to share it with a friend and give us a rating if you can. But most importantly, stay safe, everyone.